Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Um, We're starting a brand new series this morning uh, called Identity Crisis, focusing on who we are in Christ. Because if you just look around the world today, a lot of Christians have focused on a lot of other things other than their walk with God, uh, because a lot of other things have have come up. Uh, We're going to be walking through the book of 1 Peter, uh, which is written by the Apostle Peter. And whenever we start a new book, I like to take some time and, and to tell us, reveal why it's relevant to us. Why do we need to walk through this book? Uh, who was it written by? Who was it written to? Because as we said before, all of the Bible is true. All of the Bible is for us to know. Not everything in the Bible is for us to do. Some of it uh, is God showing us, hey, here's what happened in interactions with other people. Some of it is just descriptions of what took place. Some of it, a lot of it, is prescriptions. It's prescribed for us to do. So whenever we start a new book, I kind of like to walk through it and make sure that we're all on uh, the same page, so to speak, about what the book is about. So uh, the book of First Peter was written by the Apostle Peter, right? Uh, and the Apostle Peter... Usually, whenever in the Gospels you read all of the apostles listed together, he is usually the first one named. Now, this doesn't mean that God loved him anymore. It's not even him writing it. You know, it's uh, other authors writing it. In the book of Luke, it says this, One of these days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him, And chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, and then it lists the rest of them. So a lot of the times, uh, also I think it's in, uh, let me look at my notes, make sure I'm not giving you inaccurate information. Matthew chapter 10, Mark chapter 3, when it lists all of the 12 apostles, it usually, almost always, and I think always, uh, lists Peter first. So Peter had some level of significance amongst the apostles. Uh, but also, Peter was the first to demonstrate extreme faith. Now, all of the apostles were sent out, and all of them did miracles. All of them healed people. All of them did that kind of stuff. Peter was the first and the only one, as far as we know, biblically and historically, to walk on water. Right? While all of the other apostles were were in the boat, uh, Peter was the one who said, Lord, if it's you, then allow me to come out and do what you did. Jesus said, come, and he stepped out on the water in a storm. Now, we're in church, so be honest. How many people would have had the faith to step out on the water in a storm, even though it was Jesus with his hands extended out? Yeah, I probably would not. I would be the one in the boat saying, Peter, can I have your stuff when you drown? Because I don't have that kind of faith. But Peter did. Peter was also the first to deny Jesus. Now, Thomas doubted Jesus, right? We read in the Bible, Thomas doubted him. Uh, We read where all of the apostles abandoned him. Peter was the first and the only one to deny Jesus. The Bible tells us he did it with curses. 
Like, I don't know any fill-in whatever your favorite curse word is, which hopefully you don't have one, blankety-blank-blank. I don't know any blankety-blank. Jesus is what the Bible tells us he said. So uh, he denied him. He was also the first to preach a sermon because once Jesus restored him, the Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, uh, when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and people were like, hey, you guys are speaking in tongues. Are you all drunk? They are like, no, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, which should be a sign. I know some people are still on quarantine, but 9 o'clock in the morning is still too early to start drinking wine. Just throwing that out there. Did you just give me a sad look? No? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were like, what? Like, that's too sad. Okay, sorry. All right. It is. It's a little too early. At least wait till noon, have it with your lunch or whatever. But... Uh, so on the day of Pentecost, people were questioning what's going on. Peter got up and preached the very first known recorded sermon. And as a result, 3,000 people added to the kingdom of God because of what he preached. The same Peter who denied Jesus, the same Peter who demonstrated extreme faith. And as we walk through the book of First Peter, you're going to see that some of the verbiage that Peter uses in his letter is some of the exact same type of things that he said throughout the book of Acts, which, again, helps us to know that, yeah, the Bible is true, written by two different people, separated by years, but all uh, referencing the same type of information. And also, and this is one of my favorite things, Peter was the first to suffer for the gospel. Now, it wasn't just him alone. It was him and John. Uh, and after they had preached the sermon, uh, they went into the temple and they, they, they started talking about God. They were healing people in Jesus' name and they got hauled in by the government and not just ridiculed and abused, whipped. Right? I mean, worst case scenario uh, would be today where we get hauled in and we're thinking, okay, uh, they're going to tell me this. They're going to, you know, they might put me in jail or they might give me a fine which is huge because money is everything, but they got hauled in and they got whipped, beaten. And they left after that, and they didn't get mad about the government. They didn't get mad about Jesus. They rejoiced that they got to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And then, uh, this is also one of my favorites. The Bible is my favorite. Peter was the first to break down the barriers that exists between people. Uh, Because it tells us in Acts chapter 10 that there was an Italian guy who worked for the government that was oppressing the Jewish people. But that same Italian guy, so different racial background, different government perspectives, uh, different financial classes, different cultures, but that same Italian guy was seeking to know God, and God sent Peter. Peter went reluctantly, but God sent Peter. And when Peter got there... As he was sharing the gospel, that guy, his family, all his friends were filled with the Holy Spirit. And before that, part of the gospel that Peter shared with them is, hey, you guys know for a fact, we Jews, we're not even supposed to come into your household. We're not supposed to talk to you. We're not supposed to associate with you. But the Holy Spirit used Peter to break down the racial, cultural, political barriers that existed so that the gospel could be shared. So this is the same Peter who writes in 1 Peter to the church at a time when the church is being persecuted, 
And he says, you guys need to remember who you are in Christ. And it's not like normally people think, you know, if you're a pastor and you're telling people something, you don't have their experience. So they're like, well, why should I believe you? Peter had the experience of suffering for Christ. Peter had the experience of crossing racial boundaries. Peter had the experience of being beaten and whipped because of the gospel. So he could write to the church at a time when they were suffering, at a time when they felt they were being persecuted, and say, hey, don't forget who you are in Christ. Because that's what's going to help see you through this. So um, what we're going to do is walk through the book of First Peter. And uh, again, whenever we start a new book, because there's so much information that I want to share with you guys to make sure we understand it, we barely make it through like the first couple of verses which is going to be the same thing today. Uh, We're only going to make it through the first two verses. Um, Don't get scared like, oh, wow. But there's so much information in the first couple of verses that we need to talk about that will help us get an understanding of why it's relevant to us and also what Peter was trying to communicate. So if you want to follow along and you have a Bible, open it up to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. But I'm going to put... Just because we're only going to hit the first two verses, I'm going to put the verses up here on the screen so you can either open your Bible to 1 Peter or, or you can follow along. So we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. This is what it says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So again, this is Peter writing this. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the providence, provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, uh, just to give us... A little bit of background. When he says to God's elect, some versions uh, use the word uh, chosen. Some versions use the word stranger, which is probably the best translation for the word that's used there. And the reason that they were strangers is because, as it says, they were exiles. They were exiles because the church was being persecuted. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. And when the church started getting persecuted, then they scattered. And uh, I think the Hebrew, or excuse me, Greek word is dysphoria. Uh, and and uh, James and John also talk about uh, the dysphoria, the, the, the Jews and the Christians who were dispersed uh, throughout uh, the areas. And the areas that they were dispersed into, the ones he's specifically writing to, are the people dispersed, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, here's the thing. Those places don't mean a lot to us, because we're probably never going to visit them. A lot of them don't exist anymore. However, each and every one of those regions are areas where Paul had been And Paul had either started churches or someone else started churches and Paul had encouraged them and helped to build up the church. And just to give you a little bit of background, what happened was this was written probably around, uh, I'm trying to think of the time frame, 64 AD, if I remember correctly. And, And some theologians debate because that was the year that Rome burnt down. How many heard that term? Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Yeah, this was the time, I don't know if he actually fiddled, if that's historically accurate, but Rome did burn. That's historically accurate. And uh, some theologians, not necessarily biblical theologians, but other historians say that what happened was Nero wanted to rebuild Rome. 
He wanted to make it like a grand city. Billions of dollars in rebuilding project. And the Roman Senate said, not going to happen, dude. We don't have the money for that. We don't have the time for that. We have other issues. So the working theory is that Nero went out and set fire to Rome. Because then he's like, if it burns to the ground, we have no choice but to rebuild it. Right? However, he wasn't going to take the blame for it, so he blamed the Christians. He said, the Christians, they're the ones who burnt our city to the ground. And so persecution of the church started on a scale like you would not imagine. I don't mean like people talking about people. I don't mean like we say persecution, we're being persecuted because Facebook took down my post about loving God. Not that type of persecution. It's the type of persecution that's happening in what's called the persecuted church today. Uh, and let me give you an example. I, um, I have a Bible app that I use to pray. Because it, it, I have like literally like over a hundred different things that I try to pray for. Sometimes that gets overwhelming. So I put it into this app, um, and it's called Prayer Mate. And it sends me, on a regular basis, some things every day, like when I pray for my family and pray for a board and pray for you guys every day, some things it sends me a couple of times a week to remember to pray for. And one of the things that you can add, and I added, uh, was, um, and this is the influence of Mark. You guys know Mark Berkshire because he goes around and preaches for the persecuted church. Uh, there's an organization called Open Doors USA that he works with, and they work with the persecuted church. And one of their goals is to make everyone aware of what's going on in the persecuted church. So every day they send me information, something I can pray for with respect to the persecuted church. So on Friday... This is what they sent me. Christian homes destroyed in Laos. Laos is uh, near uh, Vietnam and Thailand. Recently, three Christian families in northern Laos woke up to the voice of the village chief. As he stood outside their homes, he announced that he and the entire population of the village were there to destroy their houses. That day, those families lost their homes and their community because they left the tribe's religions to follow Jesus. That's the only reason that their homes were destroyed. They hadn't done anything wrong. They hadn't wronged anyone. It was just they decided to follow Jesus. It says, days later, the village also destroyed the makeshift shelters they had built in a rice field. And then after being displaced for a third time because of their decision, they found a home to rent from a believer named, and they give false names, but I blacked it out anyway, just in case it happens to be real, uh, and Open Doors is supporting those families. That's the type of persecution that started happening to Christians. People were showing up at their homes, killing them in the streets, uh, and history also records that Nero, for sport, when you see the movies where you know people are thrown in lions and, and the people are cheering them, all that kind of stuff, that started with Christians because of this. Because they thought, you burned down our city. And then one historian, I forget his name, even said that Nero, what he used to do is he used to take Christians, when he could find them, he would cover them with tar and light them on fire and use them as torches to light his garden just because they were Christians. That's the type of persecution that they were dealing with. So uh, as they were dealing with this persecution, they left. They left in droves and they went to areas where there were churches, Pontus, Galatia, some of you have read through uh, the book of Galatians, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. 
Because the, 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 the concept is, hey, if I'm going through stuff and I need help, yes, I want to pray. Yes, I want to turn to God. But again, and I've said this before, the, the greatest asset that God gives us, his Holy Spirit, the next greatest asset, another Holy Spirit-filled believer. So when they needed help, like help beyond measure, I had to leave everything, leave my home, leave my job, find a place to go. They went to places where they could find the church. And when we need help, that's what people should think about, about the church. Not it's the place where I'm going to be criticized. Not it's the place where I'm going to be judged. Not it's the place where someone's going to beat me in the head with the Bible. It's the place where I'm going to find help and hope and peace and joy. That's what we should think about. That's what people outside of these walls right now should think about when they think about the church. Uh, Unfortunately, that's not the way most people think about it. Right. So then, uh, verse 2, this is what it says. So Paul says he's writing to all of those scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, all who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with his blood. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. And again, this is just his opening line. But in his opening line, he talks about the identity of the believer. All right? So we, if you're a Christ follower, you were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And how you were chosen is through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Why you were chosen is so that you could be obedient to Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus, the whole Trinity at work in the life of the believer. And he's effectively trying to communicate, hey, this is who you are. You were someone who God specifically handpicked and chose. Uh, he did it through the work of his Holy Spirit, because everyone who comes, becomes a believer, God fills us with his Holy Spirit. And he did it so that we would and could be obedient to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ makes it very easy. He tells us, you know what? Love the Lord with all your, your, your mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And every Christ follower should be able to do that. All right? Now, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about the phrase, the foreknowledge of God. Because it's a phrase that's caused some division in the church. Okay? The word foreknowledge, he says, you've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. The word foreknowledge literally means uh, God knew beforehand. It's from a um, Greek word where we get our word precognition, like all those movies about people who can tell the future. Anyone see Minority Report? No? Oh my, okay, yes, thank you. Okay, if not, go see it. I think they did a, a, a brief series, and I forget what the series was called, based on that same concept. Um, um, I know I'm getting into geek land, but uh, the whole uh, Avengers Civil War, did anyone see Avengers Civil War? I'm crying a little bit. Okay, thank you. Okay, there was a part two to that. Movie hasn't been made where the whole fight and battle between superheroes is there's a superhero who's a precog. He can tell the future. And he basically says, hey, even though it hasn't happened yet, I know Joe is going to commit a crime. And so the superheroes are like, we got to stop Joe because that crime is going to cost millions of lives. And so even though it hasn't happened yet, they're throwing Joe in jail 
because of precognition. The whole concept of precognition and foreknowledge is that you know something beforehand. Now, all of that being said, sorry for the geeky side trail, all of that being said, there's a lot of people who say that's not what Peter meant. That Peter wasn't talking about the foreknowledge of God. He wasn't talking that God knew beforehand, even though Peter is trying to make the case that the reason that you were chosen is that God knew beforehand. God exists outside of time. Because he exists outside of time, he can look and say, hey, I know Floyd's going to become a Christian, so I'm going to choose Floyd to be filled with my Holy Spirit so that he can be obedient to Jesus Christ. And he did that before Floyd was ever born, because he knew beforehand. It's the equivalent, and it's hard for some people to understand. And, um, okay, they're here, so I'm going to talk about them a little bit. So Brandon and Lene <laughs> have chosen a name for their next little one. And here's the thing. Before they chose the name, right, they didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl, so they may have had boy names and girl names. You get that boy name and girl names that you were considering? Okay, so they didn't know whether it was going to be a boy or a girl. Then... If you haven't watched the gender reveal, watch it. It's on Facebook. During the gender reveal, they were like, okay, it's going to be a boy. Now, they've only chosen boy names. They actually chose, came down and settled on a name, right? I won't share that. That's for you guys. But they actually settled on a boy name. Baby is not here yet. Won't be here for months. But they chose because of the knowledge that they had before the baby was born, that this is what the baby is going to be named. In the same way, even before we were born, God knew beforehand that we were going to commit our lives to Christ. And because of that, he said, I'm going to choose you and you and you and all those people who committed their lives to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could be obedient to Jesus Christ. Now, again, the only reason I'm spending a lot of time on this is because there are uh, people who may be watching it now are like, we don't have a problem with it. I know there are a lot of people who may watch it later who do because they don't understand and they doubt and say that, no, that's not why God chose us. And I, don't, I really don't want to argue with them about their theology. I just want to reveal what Peter is talking about. Because Peter, as we're going to see as we move on, is trying to get people to understand that their identity is not in the temporal things that they're dealing with now. It's in the eternal God who chose them before the beginning of the world. So if there's someone who's dealing with cancer, their identity is not as a cancer victim. It's as a child of God who God chose before the beginning of the world. If there's someone uh, who's dealing with COVID, right? Their identity is not as, hey, I'm just this person dealing with COVID. It's as a child of God who God chose before the beginning of the world. And the way that I know this for sure is not because my denomination or anybody tells me. It's because of scripture. Because if we look, Peter uses this exact same word in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. We talked about it. On the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit fell out. Uh, Peter gives his the sermon, the first sermon ever given. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which you, or excuse me, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. 
Then he says this, this man, talking about Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. In his sermon to, to, to the, uh, the Jewish people that were there, Peter said, hey, God's deliberate plan was to allow Jesus to be crucified by his foreknowledge, meaning he knew beforehand that it was going to happen, which means Jesus knew beforehand that it was going to happen. Every time that word foreknowledge is used, and to be perfectly honest, those are the only two times it's used in the Bible, it has to do with knowing something before it took place. There's another form of that word foreknowledge that's used, and it's used by uh, Paul multiple times. In this passage, which some may be familiar with, in Romans chapter 8, he says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Basically saying the same thing as Peter, but using different words. Those who God knew in advance were going to choose to be Christ followers. He predestined them. He said, hey, this is your destiny because he sits outside of time. And I've had people tell me, well, that's not the way that word is supposed to be interpreted. But if you look, here's another version, exact same verse, amplified version. says this, for those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning. And just to be sure, make sure it's not just me reading into it, uh, I reference a lot of times what's called the complete Jewish Bible. Because the complete Jewish Bible, even though New Testament in Greek, it's in Greek words that would have been understood by the Jewish mindset. Because something, something, sometimes things can get lost in translation. And the complete Jewish Bible, this is how that verse reads. So this is the way the Jewish mindset understood it. Because those whom he knew in advance, he also determined in advance, would be conformed to the pattern of his son. So if Peter and Paul weren't trying to communicate that God did this because he knew beforehand, they used a word that would have caused a whole lot of confusion. Because everyone hearing it would have thought, oh, so you're saying God did this because he knew in advance. And let me give you this last example, because I feel like I'm beating this horse to death. Uh, it would be the equivalent of me saying, hey, hey, Rob, I want you to come over to my house tonight, and I'm going to prepare dinner for you. When I say me, I mean Christy. But <laughs> I'm going to prepare dinner for you. You wouldn't like what I cooked, unless I grilled it. But I'm going to prepare dinner for you. He says, what time do you want me to be? I say, show up about five. So Rob shows up to my house at 5, and when he shows up, we're talking, you know, we're, we're hanging out, uh, and then I put out some games for us to play. And Rob says, oh, are we going to play games before dinner or after dinner? I'm like, Rob, this is dinner. And Rob's like, no, dinner means food. Are these edible games, or what's going on here? And I'm like, no, dinner to me means playing games. So it's the same thing. If you use the word that everyone thinks means, oh, this is, you're saying this is because God knew beforehand, and then people say, well, that's not what God meant, then either God was a liar or Peter was a liar and Paul was a liar. It's equivalent if I say, hey, uh, Andrew, I want you to come over to my house and uh, we're going we're gonna to have dinner. I'm, 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 we're going to have dinner and we're going to watch the football game. And we put on the football game. And Andrew's like, okay, what's for dinner? And I hand Andrew a glass of water. 
or a bottle or two bottles of water. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, this is dinner. And Andrew's like, dinner means food. And I'm like, no, dinner means drinking water. Obviously, right, everyone on the planet knows dinner means food. I apologize if you don't, but if you don't, welcome to America. Dinner in America means food, right? Doesn't mean games, doesn't mean just drinking water. Dinner means food. And to everyone who would have heard Paul, and everyone who would have heard Peter, he used a word that was communicating God did this because he knew in advance. And just, just, just uh, let me wrap up with this um, as the band comes up. And we'll, we'll get to more of this next week. In 1 Peter 18, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, Paul says this, For you know that it was not by perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. He's basically telling them, hey, God redeemed you. He didn't do it by, by paying for you. He didn't do it by gold. He didn't do it by um, any type of monetary amount. He says, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And he, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was chosen before the creation of the world. But he was revealed in these times for your sake. He's trying to get the people to understand, and again, we'll talk more about it next week, the suffering that they were going through, God knew about it because God knew about them and God chose them before the beginning of the world. And in the same way, just as God chose Jesus to die for them before the creation of the world, in order to do that, God had to know that there would be people whom he would die for. And just as he died before the creation of the world, you were chosen before the creation of the world. And since you were chosen before the creation of the world, God says, I'm going to be with you at every step in this world. You're not going to be alone when you're going through a crisis. You're not going to be alone when the government starts acting crazy. You're not going to be alone when people start criticizing you for your faith. You're not going to be alone when you're suffering because you're dealing with a medical disease. You're not going to be alone when you suffer because of financial symptoms. You are going to be, or God is going to be with us then, now, and forever because your identity is not in what you're going through. What Peter's trying to communicate is our identity is in the eternal one, as an eternal child of God. That's the amazing love that God has for us. So I'm going to ask you guys to bow your head. and God, we, we pray that no matter what we're going through right now, that we would take this message to heart. That before the world was created, before the universe came into existence, that you had already had it said that your son Jesus Christ would die to save us. And that you would then allow your Holy Spirit to fill us. And that you would always be with us. 
And God, I pray, regardless of what we're going through, that we don't identify ourselves by our circumstances or by our struggles, but that we would take to heart the amazing love that you poured out on us through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, and realize that we are beloved children of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.